We have uh, been working through a verse-by-verse series in Ephesians, and uh, I uh, started to work on my message uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, Thursday or whatever, and uh, I got about a third way done, and it was just, I just really felt God was saying, this is not for this weekend. And I was like, yeah, but I already got a third of it done. And I was like, <laughs> and so I actually continued to work on it, but I just really felt uh, that God wanted me to speak on something else. I was like, God, what do you want to speak on? And I just strongly felt he said uh, he wanted me to speak on, on his power at work in our lives. And so uh, what I did, I just went through every single verse in the New Testament on power, all 135 of them. And, uh, and I, that's what we're going to talk about. And so there's lots of verses in this. I'm sorry about that. I tried to dump as many as I could, but uh, we're going to talk about God's power at, at work in us. And, and I really believe that God... Uh, wants to pour out more and more power in, in our lives. You remember last week, Abby talked about the, the extension cord on the ground and, and how sometimes we can be more like this extension cord on the ground that's not plugged in. Uh, there's no power running through our lives. We're just kind of not doing much. Uh, we need to plug ourselves into the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. All throughout the New Testament, there is so much about God's power at work in us. It is something that we shouldn't take, uh, take lightly. In fact, when I looked at every single verse in the New Testament, I was like really blown away uh, by the amount of power that God wants to work in and through us. Uh, he, he wants us to be a light. He wants us to be a light to those around us. And in order to be a light, you need power. If there's no power at work in your life, it is really hard to be a light to others. But thankfully, we have a God who loves, loves, loves to pour out power upon people who are hungry for him. Psalm 63, 8 says, the God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. And some people are afraid of receiving God's power. Uh, they just almost like want to live in this powerless state because they think it's just more humble for some reason. But man, you look at the way the Bible talks about power, it takes humility to receive God's power and humility to walk in God's, in God's power. And so starting with Jesus, we see uh, that Jesus, uh, he had a lot of power when he walked and ministered. Luke chapter 4 said, all the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are, with authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. Jesus walked with incredible power. There was no demon that could stop him. There was no evil force that could get in his way. Uh, and People around him were healed. In Luke chapter 6, it says a large crowd of the disciples was there and a great number of people came from all over the place who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. I mean, there was just power flowing from Jesus. And people trying to touch him, even the woman who had been bleeding for years just reached out and touched the edge of his robe, and she was healed. He, he walked in incredible power. Describing his ministry, it says in Luke it said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he was anointed with power. And, and God wants to anoint us with his power as well. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with them. He walked in incredible power. 
He taught with power. He healed with power. He confronted evil with power. He ministered to the hurting in power. He had compassion on those in power. His ministry was a ministry filled with power. One of the reasons, is if, as I looked at power, one of the reasons I saw that God loves to release power, release it through Jesus' ministry and through us, is because God loves to demonstrate his kingdom in a way that catches people's attention. I mean, it's one thing just to talk to somebody. But when you are face-to-face with the power of God and, and like a miracle happens, all of a sudden you're faced with the reality that God is real. And, and this is what, all throughout the scriptures, if you look, New Testament, the book of Acts, a lot of the times when people uh, surrendered their lives to Jesus, it was because they saw God work in power through a healing, through a miracle, through uh, some, something miraculous happened. People are like, wow, God must be real. We even look at John chapter 4 when woman, uh, Jesus was talking to, wo- to the woman at the well. Uh, and Jesus said to her, and he, would, he didn't know this, but he said to her through, through the God spoke to him, you have had five husbands. And all of a sudden, this was God's power being released. The woman knew that Jesus wouldn't have known this. How in the world could Jesus know this? And because Jesus... Uh, showed some of God's power through this word, uh, she was impressed. And in fact, John chapter 4 says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony that he told me everything I did. That that word of knowledge that Jesus gave had such an impact on this woman that not only she met Jesus, but many of the Samaritans met Jesus as well. Uh, God loves to reveal his power because it demonstrates the reality of the kingdom. Some people listen to our words, yes. But when they encounter the power of God, when they encounter a miracle, uh, that can really knock them into a place. God, God is real. And Jesus didn't keep this power for himself. Jesus gave power to others. Uh, Luke chapter 9 said, when Jesus called the 12 together, He gave them power. Jesus actually gave the 12 disciples power and authority. And so that they walked from Jesus and they went to minister. They ministered in in power and authority. And Jesus gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. In Luke chapter 10, this is to the, the, the larger group of disciples. Jesus says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. He's not talking about literal snakes and scorpions, but he's talking about the works of the enemy. And to overcome all the power of the enemy. Jesus gave them power and authority uh, to his disciples. And Jesus gives power and authority to us as believers as well. It's an interesting verse in John chapter 14. Jesus said, very truly I tell you. When he says very truly, he's saying, listen up, this is important. Whoever believes in me. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? Jesus is saying this to you. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Now, what was Jesus doing? Yeah, he's doing that. He was also speaking. He was caring. He was loving. He was healing. He was confronting. Those those are all the works he was doing. Uh, Jesus says that we will do those works. And then he says, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. That we won't just do the works of Jesus, but we will actually do even greater works. A lot of people think it's because the church has numbers. We have a lot more people who are filled with the power of God going out. But the idea is that Jesus gives power to his people. We are not meant as believers to live powerless lives. That God wants to and desires to pour out power upon us. 
And we see Jesus promising this in Luke 24. Jesus said, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. He's talking about the coming Holy Spirit. He's saying to the disciples, you are actually going to be clothed with power. And if you're a believer of Jesus, you should be walking in a place where you're clothed with power. You should never say, I'm powerless. Unless you're talking about your own strength and your own flesh and your own ideas. We're very powerless. But when God, we're talking about God in us, we are very powerful. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you will receive power, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Again, one of the reasons God blesses us with power is not so we can selfishly hold on to it and hide out in our little bunkers. It is to be a witness. It is to be a light to the world. It is to, to be a light and a testimony in our marriages and families. It is to be a light and a testimony in our singleness. It is to be a light and power at our workplaces, in our school, in our communities, where we are walking around and the power of God is at work. In Acts chapter 2, after the Holy Spirit was poured out, we begin to see the power of God work through his people. That people begin to speak in tongues. People hear God speaking in, in their own language. They, again, they see a kingdom demonstration of power. Peter preaches a sermon in power. And then the power of God is released. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. And then it says many wonders and signs were, were performed by the apostles. Again, power was being released through the Holy Spirit and power was being released through the ministry of the apostles. And a lot of big things were happening because of the power at work in the church. It goes on in Acts chapter 4. It says with great power, not a little bit of power, but with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. I mean, this early church was filled with God's power. And God's grace was powerfully at work in them all. And this is absolutely God's will for today too. That God wants to so powerfully work through you. To be a light. To be able to demonstrate the reality of the kingdom to those around you. In Acts chapter 4, it says, uh, this is a prayer. Uh, the disciples are being persecuted. Even though they're walking in incredible power, they're going, they're being persecuted. As Abby talked about last week, even though we are followers of Jesus, we have to walk through fires. Uh, but God is with us when we do. They were walking through fires, and this is their prayer. Lord, consider their threats and enable your ser servants to speak your word with great boldness. They were asking for power in their speaking. But they didn't just ask for power in their speaking, but they asked for power in kingdom demonstrations of miracles. And they go on and say, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled. Again, the Holy Spirit doesn't just fill us once, but we can be continually filled with the Spirit. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with the word boldly. And I find this interesting, because you read prior, it says that there were many signs and wonders being done. And here they're praying for more. Why? Because often it's those miracles, those kingdom demonstrations of God that can knock someone from not believing into, wow, I just experienced God and I got to change. 
I mean, when you're sick and God heals you, it's like, okay, maybe there must be a God. It was just a couple years ago, I was in, um, it was in uh, San Diego in the winter, which was kind of nice being down there, but it was a pastor's conference, and they had one of the speakers, it was a covenant pastor's conference, one of the speakers was from Egypt, and his church is one of the larger churches in Egypt, but it's surrounded by, by uh, Islam, and he says in their prayer meetings that one of their most often prayed prayers is that God would release dreams and visions upon the Muslims. Because this is what they said, that most of the Muslims that are coming to Jesus are first having this, this kingdom experience, this power of God released on them, where they have a dream or a vision about Jesus, and it so shakes them or changes them that they go seek out a Christian or a church, and they meet Jesus. I mean, so they're actually praying this kind of prayer, that God, would you stretch out your hand to heal, perform signs and wonders, because this can dramatically impact people. And this is the message of the Gospels and the book of Acts, that a lot of the people who meet Jesus meet Jesus after, a, like, a power encounter with God. And, and I figure, because they've been praying this, this is something we should be praying for, that God would release his power more through us. That when we do pray for people who are unhealthy, who don't know Jesus, that we would be first bold enough to pray, but that God would release power and heal. Or God would give people even here dreams and visions about Jesus. Or that God would show up in a powerful way, whether that's in, just in your caring or loving or serving or encouraging or whatever it is you're doing. Because it is the power of God that can change people. I was uh, recently reading about a, miss a missionary group in in Africa, that often goes in, into these unreached tribes. And they showed up at this one group of this unreached people, and um, one of the gals there knew the language, but this tribe began to throw rocks at them. And they were being hammered by these rocks, and some of them said, we need to leave, we need to get out of here, they're not going to want to listen to us. But one of them, who had a lot of courage, started calling out for anyone who was sick in the village. Anyone who was sick, even the rocks were coming, and finally a couple sick people came up, and they prayed for them, and they were instantly healed. And guess what? This village went from throwing rocks to listening, and this village uh, surrendered their lives to Christ. Uh, the same group went to this another, this another uh, tribe, which many, many Christians had tried to go in there to, uh, to win them to Jesus, and every time they were pushed away, every time the chief rejected them. And so they felt that, uh, you know, I think God's going to do something. So they went in, and knowing that every time people tried to share Jesus, they were rejected, they said, we need the power of God to show up. And so the first thing they did was ask for anybody who was deaf or blind. And three deaf and blind people came up. They prayed for them. Again, they were, God released this kingdom demonstration of power. They were instantly healed. And all of a sudden, for the first time, they were willing to listen. And... Uh, later on, I mean, the whole village came to know Jesus, and, and later on the chief said, you know, there are many times when people have come in here, we've always rejected every other religion, but today we're going to follow Jesus. I mean, God does that stuff all the time around this world. I mean, this is not just like abnormal kind of thing. It's, it's amazing stuff, but again, we need to be praying for God to release more of that around here. Because the reality is we have less Christians here than in Africa. In a lot of places in this world. I mean, and, and sometimes people aren't willing to listen to us. And no, we have to speak because people will not believe unless they hear the Bible says. But they also need to see, at times, kingdom demonstrations of his power. I mean, I even think of, remember Angus Buchan, who was here 
uh, years ago. How many went to, quite a few of us went when he was in Nelson. But you remember that story he told where he was in the stadium in Africa. And uh, I think it was in, I don't know where it was, but it was a lot of Muslims there. And he was preaching his heart out and no one was responding. And then he felt God say, you, you got to heal somebody. And he looked and he sees this guy on these two crutches and he goes down and, uh, and this guy has a pen in his leg and he can't bend his leg. And, and Angus is just, he's praying for him and God says, bend the leg. And you remember, he was just like, I don't know if I should bend this leg, but he starts to bend the leg and he prays for healing. The guy is healed. And the guy starts jumping around, and this whole stadium that was not listening to Jesus all of a sudden was listening to Jesus. And he said, thousands came down to be healed. I mean, there are times when our words aren't impacting, where we need the power of God. And, and hopefully our, the power of God shows up in our words as well. But all throughout the book of the Gospels and the book of Acts, we see that, that it's normal for this kingdom power to be released to help with the ministry of changing lives. And God is still healing and doing miracles today. I mean, this is not whack. I mean, sometimes we're so rational in our Western world that we kind of poo-poo that stuff. But man, it's, it's, it's real. The same Jesus of, of the Bible is the same Jesus today. And he gives power to people. And I believe he wants us all to be walking in greater power. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But God's power can be revealed in and through us in many ways. It's not just, you know, dramatic miracles like healings and signs and wonders, but it can be revealed in lots of different ways. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 says, To each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To each one. That if you're a follower of Jesus, there's an area of your life where God manifests His Spirit or manifests His power. These are called spiritual gifts. And sometimes that power might be very small at first if you haven't developed it or you haven't been walking in, in faithfulness, but there, there's this power. For some of you, it might be encouraging and when you encourage someone, it's like the power of God just shows up and these people are super encouraged. Some of you, it might be just the gift of helps. When you help people, they just are really ministered to. For some, it's teaching. Some, it is miracles and, and all those kinds of things. But God's power can be released in a lot of different ways. Don't just limit it to, you know, amazing gifts of healing and those kind of prophecy. Those are good. But God can release his power in many ways. And so don't limit your praying to, God, would you just heal through me? Be praying that, but be praying, God, when I talk, when I just show up in this room, God, would you? I mean, there's a weirdest story about Charles Finney. And one time, because he was doing all these gospel meetings, it was back in the, the 17 or 1800s, forget when he lived. Uh, but he walked one time into a factory. And he was just walking into this factory. And he said, as he walked through this factory, people began to break out in tears. And they just began to fall down and start repenting of their sins. And he didn't even say anything. I mean, the power of God was so working through him that all he had to do walk in. He didn't say a word until all this commotion was happening. People were calling out their sins and, and for Jesus. So the factory work, work, uh, owner said, we got to stop all production. We need to have a meeting. And, and Finney got to preach. But would that have happened if the power of God didn't show up? I, I don't know. And so uh, we need the power of God, but it can come in many ways. For Micah, it was in his speaking to people who had hard hearts. Micah says, but as for me, I am filled with power. We shouldn't be afraid of saying that. As long as you know what's in Christ. That I am filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. If you say, I'm filled with power because I'm so amazing, I'm a super Christian. Okay, then you got some serious pride issues and you're not going to have any power. But, but we are to walk in power. Uh, Micah said freely, I am filled with power. It wasn't for selfish reasons, but again, it was to be a light to the world. 
It was so he could speak boldly to people who did not want to listen. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, Paul said this, and this message has always been so heavy on my heart uh, for years now. Uh, my message, this is Paul speaking, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. And, and sometimes he did speak with wisdom. But uh, he's talking about wise and persuasive words within himself. But he says, I, I, my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. I mean, this is interesting. I don't speak with words. Uh, wisdom, primarily, I want to speak in a way that people can see the power of God. I mean, what a prayer that that would be upon our hearts. This is a prayer that's always on mind, that these wouldn't just be words that fall on kind of deaf ears, some talking head out there, and I'm just going to leave, and I'm not changed. But, but my, these wouldn't just be words, but the Holy Spirit would show up in power when I speak. Or show up in power when you speak. When you're ministering something, there'd be just the Holy Spirit moving behind. So people are not just saying, wow, that was just nice words, but there's like, you know, I felt something. You know, I, I think I just had an encounter with God. Romans 3.9 talks about just moving from powerless living to empowered living. And, and as I look throughout the scriptures, a lot of talk about how we are people who are to live in power. We're not powerless anymore. There was a time when we were, Romans 3.9. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles and us are like under the power of sin. Before Christ, we were powerless and we are under the power of sin. Romans 5.8 says, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That before Christ, we are powerless. But then when we meet Jesus, he fills us, he clothes us with power, and we are no longer powerless. Again, we are powerful in Christ. Ephesians 1 says, I pray. This is Paul praying, and I pray this for me, and I pray this for us. I pray that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us. And he has incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. That's the kind of power God has for us. That is the kind of power he desires to clothe us in. It's a mighty power. It's a life-changing power. It's a miraculous kind of power. 2 Timothy 1 says, for, God, uh, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power. Again, we are to be an empowered people, not people who live in defeat, not people who walk around like everything is powerless and I have no hope and no control. I'm just, you know, oh, is me. God has given us a spirit of power. Colossians 1, to this end, Paul said, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Years ago, it was a couple years ago, I read this when I was really burnt out. And I realized why I was burnt out. Because I wasn't working with the energy and the power Christ was working in me. <laughs> working a lot with my own strength and my own effort and my own abilities, rather leading, le leaning on Christ. Paul said, I work with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in us. So if you move out on your own authority, your own strength, with your own plans and your own wisdom, you will get tired and you will burn out. We are to work with the energy Christ has given us. 
powerfully works in you. Again, God is powerfully at work in us. Not because we're so amazing, but because Jesus is so amazing. 1 Corinthians 4. I found this very interesting. Some are arrogant, Paul said, as though I were not coming to you. These are the guys who were kind of poo-pooing. Why did I use that word twice today? I don't know. <laughs> Probably because I live on a farm. Yeah. <laughs> These guys were just kind of putting down Paul's ministry. He's not going to show up. He's not bold enough. They weren't really believing he was a true apostle. But he says this, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. And then he says this to these arrogant people. I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, because anybody can talk. Anybody can preach. Anybody can share the message. I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. It's like this is a litmus test for Paul. I, I want to see power, because the Holy Spirit is to clothe us in power. I want to see power in their life. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. That again, power throughout the scriptures is to be a part of our lives, is to be a part of the church, and is to be a part of our ministry. That we're not to minister in our own strength and our own effort, because that'll lead to burnout. We're to minister in the power of God at work in us, because the kingdom is a kingdom of power. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.5, Paul said, Our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. Again, these weren't just words Paul was sharing. People are being deeply convicted of their sin. I, I need to get right with Jesus, they were saying. Uh, demonstrations of power, perhaps in healings and miracles, or just when he was speaking, people were just like amazed at the power of God. But again, our gospel is not a powerless gospel. I mean, Romans says the gospel is the power of God until salvation. Uh, Paul said, for those who don't believe, the gospel is foolishness. But for, those who, uh, for us who believe, it is the power of God. Because it's amazing when someone just opens their heart and receives the gospel. Because it kind of sounds foolish at the beginning. You know, this is Jesus who came down from heaven, was born of a virgin, and walked, and he died on this cross, so you can be free. It kind of seems a little foolish, but when you receive that message, it just radically changes your life. It's so cool as a pastor to see how the gospel changes people's lives from darkness and brokenness into this light and power where they're actually able to make a difference in their marriage and their family. And they go from powerless to powerful because of Jesus. Second Timothy 3 1. It says, Mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud. Abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather lovers of God. And we say, yeah, that's kind of what's happening in the last days. But then he also says this, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. You know, I find it fascinating sometimes how people can read through the New Testament and just deny all the power that is talked about all over the place in the Gospels and the book of Acts. That they simply want to live in this bubble where they don't want to experience any of the power of God. Uh, we are to be walking in the power of God. We should be seeing the power of God at work as they did in the book of Acts. We should be saying, God, would you pour out the ability in greater ways to heal and to do miracles? Because, God, we want to be a testimony. We want to see people's lives changes, and we need your help beyond my mere words. 
We need his help in our words as well. But one of the signs of the last day is Christians and churches and people just living their Christian lives without power. And I hope that's not us. Ephesians 3.20, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work with us. Where is his power at work? In us. And he says he can do immeasurably more. I mean, just stop for a moment and dream about what God could do in your life. Just dream about what God could do in your workplace. Dream about what God could do in this community. Dream about what God could do in this church. Dream about what God could do in your marriage or your family. I mean, think big. Let me tell you, your dreams aren't big enough. Because he says he can do immeasurably more than we can even imagine. And I can imagine some big things. Because that's how powerful he is. God is so amazing and so powerful that he can do amazing things in our life. And I hope all of us are like, I want to grow in the power of God. I want to grow in the power of God. But before we talk about that, let's talk about the danger of power. Because with any good thing that God gives us, it can be abused. With any gift. It doesn't matter if it's food, we can be abused in gluttony. It doesn't matter if it's money, we can end up loving money. God loves to pour out power upon us, but it can be easily abused. We see this, for instance, in 2 Chronicles. It's about Uzziah. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. When he was seeking God, when God was first, God was giving him success. God was giving him power. But he became prideful. His fame spread far and wide, and he was greatly helped until he became powerful. That was all God's doing. God blessed him with fame, blessed him with a lot of help, blessed him with power. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God. It is a danger in any church, any pastor, any one of us, when God begins to release power upon whatever your gift is, to become prideful. To begin thinking, oh, it's my strength that really actually did this. I guess I don't need Jesus as much. You know, I guess I must be a better Christian than everybody else because look what God's doing through me. That is dangerous. The glory always needs to go back to Jesus. Paul makes this clear in 2 Corinthians 4. He says, we now have this light shining in our hearts. He's talking about the power of the Holy Spirit is shining so brightly in your heart. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. That's us. We're very fragile. We're very weak in our own strength. But we have this Holy Spirit shining in it. It says this makes it clear that our great power, notice Paul says our great power. Again, you shouldn't be afraid to say I am strong. I'm powerful in Jesus. Paul said our great power is from God, not from ourselves. The minute you begin to think it's from yourself or your own doing, your own abilities or your own strength is the moment you're in trouble. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus, again, uh, you see this here, uh, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. It's so cool. We can conquer the enemy and we can conquer every demon. No one can send her away because we're so powerful, they said. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. In other words, yeah, I saw you defeating the devil. That's awesome. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. I've given you incredible power. However, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You got to keep the main thing the main thing. You got to keep Jesus number one. 
We see in the book of Acts when Peter and John healed the beggar, or the, the crippled guy, all these people flocked to him saying, wow, you guys are amazing. What do they say? It's by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It's not, not me, Jesus. The glory goes back to him. Uh, Romans 15, in the context of power, Paul said, I glory in Christ Jesus. I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. Notice Paul saying it takes words and it takes miracles. Leading me, the Gentiles, to obey God by what I have said and done by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit of God. Paul is not just speaking, but he's also demonstrating the power of God. People are being saved, but in the end, he says, I glory in Christ Jesus. All the glory, all the honor goes to him. Be very careful of pride. Now, we want to grow in the power of God, and I hope all of you do. That you'd walk in a greater power, that all of your gifts would have a greater power, that we as a church would have a greater work of power in it. And this is commanded in Ephesians chapter 6. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now, does that describe you today? If you just thought about yourself, would you say, yeah, I am strong in the mighty power of God. I'd like to grow in that, if I'm honest. <laughs> and I hope you would like to grow in that, if you're honest. And the reality is you can I mean, a lot of people just kind of limit themselves and think, well, I guess this is all God has for me. I'll just continue the rest of my life like this. No, God always has more because God is huge and gigantic. And there's lots of verses that talk about people growing in power. Uh, even Jesus, when he returned after fasting, he says Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. That after he spent 40 days of fasting, he was walking with greater power. Paul, who saw here, it says grew more and more powerful. We can grow more and more powerful as God works in us. Uh, 2 Chronicles 27, Jotham grew powerful. Why? Because he walked steadfastly before the Lord his God. 1 Chronicles 11, and David became more and more powerful. Why? Because the Lord Almighty was with him. We run from the kind of power we can build ourselves. We want the kind of power that God wants to give us because that's the power he uses. But we can become more powerful in God when we look to Him, when we focus on Him. And, and, and sadly, a lot of times we look for gimmicks and techniques to grow in the power of God. If I just find the latest conference, then I'm going to have more power. I can find the latest fad or I get the latest book or just listen to that latest whatever. I'm going to be powerful in God. There is just no fad or gimmick that causes you to grow in the power of God. If you want to grow in the power of God, it comes back down to the same old-fashioned things that have always been there you got to make your life about Jesus. And I'll quickly finish with these four points and we're done. Number one, you got to do the work of repentance. If you want to grow in the power of God, you got to do the work of repentance. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. We must, not you can think about it, we must get rid of every weight and sin that clings so closely and run with endurance the race set out for us. You know a runner that is free to run? That's a powerful runner. But why is he powerful? Because he's trained himself and he's not carrying heavy weights. Some of us here are not running very fast. We're not seeing a lot of power in our marriages, in our lives, in our family, in our workplace, in our ministries because you have weights. And you've got to do the work of repentance. 
and sometimes it's work. It says, we must get rid. I mean, sometimes we're just like, God can get rid of this, and sometimes God will step in. And I know people who have been instantly delivered from alcoholism or pornography or whatever sin it was, but a lot of times it takes work. Because I tell you, often we learn far more about our relationship with God through the work than if God just miraculously delivers us from those things. Now we pray for miraculous delivery, but a lot of times, as Abby talked about, it's the fire that helps us grow in our lives. We've got to do the work of repentance. Number two, you've got to pursue humility. James 4, 6, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you walk in pride, you will just not see the power of God at work in you. You just won't. Until you learn to rejoice in other people's successes, until you learn to rejoice in that other Christians, they're doing way better than you in their marriage and their family and their church, and do, until you learn to rejoice and say, man, that's so awesome, I just bless you. Until you learn to be humble, you're not going to grow in power. Until you learn to be humble before others. Because God actually, uh, this is a word that God is actually forcibly working against you. I mean, how would you like God of the heaven to be fighting against you? Just walk in pride. It's easy. <laughs> God opposes the proud, but he gives grace. The word is, is the same word, grace and favor, the same Greek words, grace and favor to you who walk humbly. For even Paul, God gave him a thorn in the flesh. Why? To keep him humble. Why? Because pride would have defeated his ministry because he ends up saying this, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. It was in power at Paul's humility that his power was made strong. You've got, we've got to learn to walk humbly. Got to learn to, it's one thing I fight so often, because it's so easy for me as a pastor to get jealous of other pastors at other churches, and I just, like, Jesse, no. And then I just pray blessing, and I just say, God, I thank you for what you're doing. May their ministry increase tenfold over mine. I mean, you just got to learn to walk humbly. Number three, you got to faithfully use the power God has given you. And sometimes like, God, I want more power. And God says, well, what have you done with the power I've already given you? Well, nothing. I'm waiting for greater power. No. I want you to use the power I've given you, and then I will give you more power. And often we start with very little power sometimes in ministry. I remember Stephen. It says this of him. A man full of God's grace and power, he performed great, not little, great wonders and signs among the people. Man, I'd love that if it was all of us. That we are full of God's glory and grace, and we were performing miracles and, and doing God doing awesome. I'd love that. But you know, Stephen didn't start out doing that. I mean, you read earlier in the chapter, he was one who was selected to give food out to widows. And he could say, Well, God, I'm waiting for more power. I'm waiting for a bigger ministry. I guarantee if he would have said that, he would have never have seen this. We gotta start with what God has given us, and we're faithful with what God has given us. God says, Okay, I'll give you more. Even me, man, I, when I became a Christian, I started out in the nursery, and I started in Sunday school, even though I was a horrible teacher because I'm just way too nice, and the kids were always crazy, but, you know, I did it. I mean, just start small. Now, don't wait for, you know, you know, the takeover of Billy Graham's ministry. You just start small. Uh, just start, like, greeting or just going around encouraging people or praying for people, and as you're faithful, God gives you more. And that's a promise because it doesn't matter what it is. If you give, it will be given to you. You give of your time, your energy, your money, it will come back to you. You start giving of the power God has given you, you will only see, you only see more. And finally, and most importantly, you just got to keep yourself fixed on Jesus. I mean, as I say over and over again, fruitfulness only comes from intimacy. There's just no fancy way around it. 
You want to see more fruitfulness in any area of your life? It has to come from intimacy with Jesus. I don't care how many of the latest books you read or, you know, what fad you're following. It comes from Jesus. Keeping our eyes fixed on him. That we would not go long in the day without lifting our heart. That we'd not go long in our day without worshiping him. We should all be people who are often in this book, often in prayer, often in worship, often just surrendering our hearts to him because he's the main thing. When you seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added to you, the Bible says. And I'll finish with my favorite cartoon. I love this. This is a robot. He's plugged in. And he says, this chain cannot bind me. I will no longer be a puppet for the powers that be. My fate is in my control. And he starts running away, trying to unplug himself from the powers that be. And then finally his freedom and his, and that's the result. And that's us. <laughs> a lot of times like, I got this power, I'm going to run with it myself. And you run, boom, and all of a sudden you're like, Ugh. Some of you feel like this today. I mean, all the stuff about walking in power, you're like, I do not feel strong in the power of God. That's why. That's why. I don't care what is going on in your life. That, that's why. It starts with enemies of Jesus. It starts realizing that I cannot do anything without plugged. And that song we sang this morning is so true. Every move I make, every step I take, whatever it says, I mean, we just got to be focused on him. Just stay connected with Jesus. If you want power, and you seek power, you're going to miss it. You want power and you seek Jesus, you'll find both. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are powerful and amazing. God, I thank you that you are a God who still does miracles. And God, that you can do powerful things in our midst. And God, we pray as the early church prayed, God, that you would release more power to heal. God, that you would release uh, more of your ability, God, that we could perform uh, signs and wonders and things, God, that would demonstrate the kingdom to those who aren't believing. God, that they would come face to face with the reality of God. But God, above all those things, would you keep us humble? God, above all those things, may we give all the glory to you. Uh, God, uh, God, above all things, may we walk in intimacy with you. God, I pray that we would be so plugged into you that every day, every hour, that we, as your followers, would walk, walk in a way that we are supercharged by your spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite the worship team up. And as usual, we're going to finish with uh, three songs. And if you can stand. And I don't know about you, but how many of you want more power of God at work in your life? Yeah? yeah? Amen. Well, let's pray. God, we pray that you would bless us with uh, just a greater filling, God, of your spirit. God, as we see the apostles in the book of Acts were filled again and again. And God, as you say in Ephesians 6, that we are to be continually filled with your spirit. God, we pray that you would do that upon us. God, I pray that this first song would be a prayer for us. God, that we would want more of your love and more of your power at work in us. But God, may the glory go to you. God, may we reach people around here for your name and your sake. In Jesus' name, amen.